Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you're a 415-er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast, a podcast that has started off in a very feisty manner, Mark, because we were just having a spirited discussion before we began the podcast, and uh, I want to welcome everyone in, of course. It is conference title championship week. The 49ers and the Eagles playing on Sunday at noon for a chance and a trip to go to the Super Bowl. Mark, how are you feeling? I'm doing well, Evan. I'm getting amped up for this game. There's a few weekends better for football fans than championship game weekend, conference championship weekend. This is uh, really fun. It is only one day of action, but it is a great day of action on Sunday. Starts at noon if you're out here on the West Coast with Niners at Eagles. And then after that, a rematch of last year's AFC championship game, Bengals at the Chiefs. Both these games should be uh, an awful lot of fun, Evan. I'm looking forward to that. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Now, I, I didn't mean to plan on wearing blue for those watching on YouTube, but I feel it's kind of appropriate because blue would be right in the middle of red and green. And that's kind of the way I feel about this game heading in, Mark, is that it feels very even to me. And one of the reasons being is because of the result of the 49ers game on Sunday. Now, a lot of people compared to maybe watching the Eagles absolutely lambaste the New York Giants at Lincoln Field earlier that weekend might say, well, why would you feel so good about it? But this is where I want to start, Mark. I want to start with the question, if the Dallas victory makes you feel more or less confident heading into Philadelphia, if you're the 49ers, um, I kind of tip my hand a little bit, but I'll give you first serve. How did you feel after watching the Niners beat the Dallas Cowboys 19 to 12 at home? Well, I, I think on the surface, you always want your team to play, you know, their best game. So, that out of the way, obviously, the Niners didn't play as good as they possibly could have. This, uh, you know, they didn't play as well as they did against Seattle, specifically on the defensive, or pardon me, on the offensive side of the ball. They've had better games this season. Um, so, obviously, that out of the way. You, you wish that your team is just playing great football all around. But, Evan, you look at how this team is constructed, and you look at they have a rookie seventh-round quarterback who hasn't started all season, who's still learning things. Every snap, every throw, every quarter, every game that he plays, he's still learning things. I I think there's a very realistic scenario here, Evan, where a game like last weekend against the Cowboys, where it was, uh, you know, you you had to grind it out. It was a defensive battle. You, You had to scratch and claw for every point that you scored. And the result was up in the air really until the final few minutes of that game. I think an experience like that, maybe not for the team as a whole, Evan, because generally this is a pretty experienced group. I mean, almost everyone on this roster that is playing meaningful snaps played meaningful snaps last year when they went to the NFC title game. And a lot of them were here in 2019 into the 2020 postseason when they went all the way to the Super Bowl. But specifically, Evan, for Brock Purdy, I do think the experience against the Cowboys last week is valuable because it proved to him, hey, I do not need to play lights out for us to win. This is what it feels like to win and to eke out a postseason game. And Evan, it it, it shouldn't be a surprise. If the Niners win against the Eagles, it, it will not be a blowout. It will be a similar feeling 
you know, as, as this Cowboys game. If the Niners are to come out victorious, it'll probably be close coming down to the last few minutes. It will require a score in the last minute by the Niners or a last minute stop by the Niners defense. So I think that experience for Brock Purdy is meaningful for the team as a whole. I don't know. Cause they've been there, done that for, but for Purdy specifically, and the quarterback is the most important player on the field in the national football league. I think it's a meaningful experience. So perhaps it gives Brock Purdy a little bit of confidence heading in to what should be another competitive game. Yeah, I'm with you. And look, if fans want to say that they should have beaten Dallas more handedly, they should have been able to run the ball more effectively. You know, the outside receivers didn't really get going. George Kittle was really the main source of offense through the year for the 49ers. And, you know, clearly because Brock Purdy has been on such a tear, it did not look as dominating as the rest of the games that he's played in. I hear that, but I feel like you should be confident after that win because I think we can put to bed, Mark, the strength of schedule game for the 49ers entering Philadelphia because I think everyone feels comfortable saying that the final four are the four best teams left in the NFL on both sides of the bracket. So that means that whether you're tested or not, it doesn't matter. You're the, you are the number one or number two team in your conference. And the 49ers have finally shown, maybe to some, that they can beat a quality top three, top four in their conference opponent, which they did against Dallas. And what was the one thing this entire week kind of leading up to it, a matter of discussion, was how were the quarterbacks going to play? Brock Purdy was a rookie. That was the biggest moment of his life. And this next weekend will be the next biggest moment of his life. He didn't shy away from the moment, and he didn't fold under pressure the way that we saw Dak Prescott do on the other side. Dak Prescott played more like a rookie in that game than Brock Purdy did. And that, unfortunately, has followed Dak for the majority of his playoff career. Brock Purdy's got as many wins as Dak Prescott does after two games in his postseason career. So I feel like having overcome the Dallas Cowboys, both as far as taking care of business on defense, but then also offensively, I I, kind of mentioned it last week, Mark, but I feel like Dallas, in many ways, is somewhat of a lighter version of Philadelphia defensively. That D-line perhaps is is a bit better against the run than what Philly has been. But at full strength, this Eagles team has sacked more quarterbacks than all but two teams in the history of the NFL. They have four different guys with 10 or more sacks. They also have two elite corners and a great secondary and a linebacking core that maybe is probably second behind the 49ers. So if you're asking me why I feel confident about that win against Dallas, it's because the 49ers had not seen a team similar to what Philly had offered. And they finally got it in Dallas and they showed us as well as themselves that they could handle business in a tight spot, even if it's at home. And now they have to go on the road. I feel like they should feel confident walking out of that game because they overcame and they, they hurdled an obstacle they hadn't faced yet. Yeah, I think the other side of this as well, Evan, is Philadelphia. There's two sides to this. Obviously, it's how are the Niners feeling, and then it's how are the Eagles feeling. Obviously, the Eagles are extremely confident. I mean, they come out and they just absolutely dominate the New York Giants, a team that beats the Minnesota Vikings, who won a ton of games in the regular season, but as we've talked about at length, uh, maybe weren't quite as good as their record shows. But still, dominant, really good win for the Eagles over the New York Giants, 38-7. to was the final score. But you think back to how their regular season ended, Evan. Remember, week 15, just before uh, the, the week before uh, Christmas, a uh, narrow win in Chicago, Jalen Hurts hurts his shoulder. And he misses the game on Christmas Eve at Dallas, a loss for the Dallas Cowboys. Then on New Year's Day at home against New Orleans, he misses that game as well, and they lose. He comes back week 18, needing to win to guarantee uh, the one seed and a bye through into the divisional round of the postseason. He comes back and they beat those Giants 22-16, to but it was a game where the Giants had nothing to gain. So, Kind of a throwaway game. Jalen Hurts was clearly limited. He only played because there was still something to gain for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, Evan, you're looking at over a month. The last time this Eagles team really played a a game wire to wire that mattered that much. I mean, this game against the Giants in the postseason, of course, it mattered. But the game was over at halftime. 
this this is also a situation where not only are the Niners perhaps feeling a little bit more confident because they came out on the right end of a close competitive game against a really good team, Evan. But Philadelphia, on the flip side, hasn't been in that situation in a while. I'm not saying saying that they can't turn it on. I mean, they are a really, really good football team, and there's a reason why they were the one seed in the NFC. I'm not saying that they're not ready or prepared, but there is also something of having done it more recently, of coming out through the fire of a tough competitive game and working hard for that victory in the last minutes, in the final quarter of a game. And simply put, Evan, the Eagles haven't quite done that in a long time. Again, it's been over a month. Uh, We talk a lot about rest or rust for teams that are coming off of buys in the postseason. I'm not quite sure. I'm not I'm not so sure that that argument necessarily works here, but I think there is something to the fact, Evan, that the Eagles haven't been in those clutch moments, those crunch time minutes in a really long time the Niners have. Yeah, I hear what you're saying for me. And I feel like for most Eagles fans, the reason why they would feel confident is simply because Jalen Hurts looked as close to 100% as we've seen in over a yeah. month. I mean, and, and that is, at the end of the day, what their season in many ways relies on because they have everything else. And I, I, I do feel very confident in saying that these two teams, Philadelphia and San Francisco, have the two best rosters in football. But of course, if you take away, sounds weird to say at this point, or would have sounded weird to say a month ago, but if you take away Brock Purdy, you know, the 49ers might be done. Well, I think we saw down the stretch that Philadelphia with Gardner Minshew as opposed to Jalen Hurts is a completely different football team. And I'm still a little hesitant to to call Jalen Hurts 100% because I believe he said after the game that that 45-yard pass on the first drive to um, Devontae Smith was the first time he had attempted a pass that long the entire week. So clearly he was saving himself for the game and may not even have known if he could make that throw before attempting it uh, just because he didn't want to test that shoulder and potentially do more damage to it. So I do not believe that Jalen Hurts will be 100% on Sunday, but if you're telling me that he's not at 100% and they can still absolutely roll the Giants, which they did with ease, that's something scary to take take a look at. The other part of it too, Mark, is I, I do wonder a bit how much there is a, we'll call it a Seattle Seahawks factor with, the Eagles and the Giants matchup having played now three times this year, Philadelphia, I know played them closely in one of those games, but they beat them three times. They're very familiar with them. Similar to how San Francisco absolutely dumped on them in week two did Seattle. And then week 15 was a bit closer and then blew them out in the first round of the playoffs. So the familiarity actually helped the two teams that had taken care of business the first two times, as opposed to the opposite. So I'm really not sure what to expect from Philadelphia, but the most important part of each game is that both teams, despite San Francisco having played the more physical contest, they were as close to being 100% healthy as possible. I know they had a a minor mix-up during the game. Guys were able to come back in. Christian McCaffrey's calf is something we'll certainly monitor and get you updated on across this week. Uh, But both teams seem to be as healthy as they've been you know, prior to, I guess, the Jalen Hurts shoulder injury. Yeah, and I, I mean, the Jalen Hurts' shoulder is something that I wouldn't be surprised if in the offseason he has, like, an exploratory surgery to, to make sure or, or to clean something up. Like, I would not be surprised if that's something that does happen. It's, it's clearly good enough for him to to play on right now when he's still effective. Uh, I'm with you. He, he looked... He looked visibly better than he did Week 18, and, and part of that maybe was just because... In week 18, the Eagles were doing the absolute bare minimum. They wanted to make sure that they won the game, but they did not want to risk anything there. So perhaps it was more game plan related than uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, shoulder health related in week 18. But he he was certainly willing to do more in the postseason game. And of course, why wouldn't you? It it means more. It matters more. It's win or go home in the playoffs. So he certainly looked good enough to where you still have to respect his legs and his arm. And I mean, it's a shoulder injury. It's not going to affect his ability to run and his speed. Maybe it, it affects some decision-making Evan and, and maybe he's taking, maybe he's making a few more business decisions because he's a little bit wary of taking a hit on that shoulder. Who knows? I mean, he got injured 
uh, when he was running the ball and he was tackled and all the weight of him and the defender tackling him landed on his right throwing shoulder. So it's certainly something he takes a, a bad hit. He falls on it. Uh, it. It could, you know, make things worse. So maybe it affects decision making for Jalen Hurts. Maybe he's a little less willing to to run it between the tackles. Maybe he's being a little bit more careful. Any little bit helps the 49ers there, but it's something that you've talked about all season long here on the 415ers, Evan, and I know we'll, we'll dig into this a lot more on our Friday episode as we get fully ready for this matchup. But the Niners have struggled against mobile quarterbacks, dual-threat quarterbacks, so that is going to be an area that is going to matter big time in this game. Do they have a spy set for Jalen Hurts because they've been unwilling to do that for dual threat quarterbacks in the past. How are they going to make sure that Jalen Hurts isn't converting big third downs with his legs like he's done all season long? He's going to run the ball, what, six, seven, eight, nine times? I think he ran it nine times against the Giants uh, in, in the divisional round. If he's in a fight for his life, he might try to take it into his hands more and run a double-digit times. We will see, uh, but that's certainly an area where we will we will keep an eye on and if there's still any doubt in the back of his mind about his shoulder Evan maybe that does help the 49ers just a little bit here or there yeah I think the season high for him was 17 carries I'd be surprised to see it get that high but yeah then again in a game in which your season is on the line you never know so that's that's certainly something we'll be paying attention to also I mean Dak Prescott when he took off at times during that game on Sunday against the Niners proved to be pretty effective with his yeah. feet. I know there were some people around the press box saying he probably should have looked to run a little bit more, especially after some of his questionable decision-making <laughs> with the football. Well, and uh, you heard what Jerry Jones said about him the week leading up to the game, that I don't think the Niners are going to be able to to stop Dak's legs. And, I mean, he had that that good one run where he almost got into the end zone. I think yeah. he finished with, what, like 15? Well, that was the fourth yards. and four prior to his turnover in the red zone and, of course, the Pollard injury. but you know, the play that preceded it was a huge play for, for Dallas. So no, it's, it's definitely something to monitor for sure. Uh Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with Royal Caribbean. You don't just go to the beach, you visit a private Island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy. Follow him on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. I'm on social at eGiddings10 at 415ers across social media platforms. Feel free to download, rate, and subscribe. Uh, one thing we do have to... Mention Mark is 49ers news this week, which is a bit unfortunate. Uh, but we'll we'll kind of get through this and then get back to all all the fun stuff, all the fun content we have coming for you three times a week. Um, Charles and Menehue was arrested on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence early on uh, Tuesday, and you know was was booked into Santa Clara County Jail. He's already out on bail. The 49ers haven't officially commented on the issue beyond saying that they are gathering further information, quote unquote. Uh, but obviously this is not the way you want to start your week. This is not the way that Charles Amenahue, I'm sure, you know, wants to, to be viewed. Um, obviously the, the woman that was involved in the situation, we feel for her as, as well and hope that she is all right from all reports. It appears that she is. Um, but Mark, I don't know what you thought about reading this news, but I, Based on the way that the 49ers have handled situations like this in the past, I know it was much worse, but Ruben Foster is the first one that comes to mind. Um, I personally would be very surprised if Charles Amenehue played this weekend. I know Mike Florio made some comments uh, around the Bay Area on Tuesday, essentially saying that it's you know situation by situation case. 
I know that the NFL has had a long history of not necessarily intervening in individual situations such as this. Uh, but the way that the 49ers have conducted themselves in the past with, you know, unfortunate occurrences like this and, and Amenahue being arrested officially, uh, I would be surprised to see him out there on Sunday, even though he's a huge part of their team. Yeah. You, I mean, something you said at the top, this first of all, uh, thinking of of Omenahue's girlfriend who was the victim here in this situation what the police have reported is that uh, Omenahue pushed her to the ground during an argument uh there were no visible injuries uh for the woman fortunately and uh, she did complain of some pain in her arm but declined medical attention so certainly seems like uh avoided any any you know major injury which is the good news here but just a terrible situation all the way around i mean again you you feel for the the victim and, and the victim's family and you wish that something like this never happens evan but if if you just narrow the focus purely to football uh which is a i don't know it's it's maybe easy for us to do and, and maybe we yeah, shouldn't it's probably do done it. too often but it, unfortunately tends to be the case yeah like it, we're, we're privileged enough to to be able to just say all right what does this mean on the football field um and and you kind of tend to put the victim on the back burner I, I, i'm not doing that at all we, we feel for her and and her family and everything that that she has to be going through now with a situation like this but if you were to focus purely on the football side of things it's charles amenahy what the hell are you doing how how can you do that to your girlfriend? And uh, I know I know it doesn't sound the greatest, but how do you do it the week before an NFC Championship game, the biggest football game of your life? And you're right; it it would be a terrible look if the 49ers trot them out there on Sunday against the Eagles, like nothing happened. Uh, we know the NFL is not going to you know not allow him to play if the Niners decide that he will play then he will play the nfl will not decide that for the 49ers they will let the niners decide themselves um i'll be interested to see what the niners do here because generally uh as you've alluded to and, and spoken to just a little bit ago they've tended to hand handle these things pretty well i mean they're a generally a, a well-run organization first class that's what it's what everyone says uh, so if they are to continue with kind of the, the precedent that they have set in the past, Evan, I don't think he will play. Uh, but the fact that it is an NFC championship game kind of muddies things a little bit because there are a few games with bigger stakes than this one. And there's no doubt that Charles Amenu has been a gigantic factor positively for the 49ers on the football field this year. He had the strip sack of Geno Smith in the second half that really turned that game around for the 49ers. Just a week and a half ago, uh, he had two sacks in that game. He, he's been really good this year. Um, and it just is absolutely terrible that he had to do this now and do it at all. And now the Niners are in this situation where, where they have to make a decision on, on one of their more important pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm with you, Mark. I think you put it best. Uh, what the hell are you doing? That's that's kind of the way I think most people should look at this situation. Should it be before a title game? Should it be in the off season? Should it be at any time, any place, anywhere? Cannot do it. Should not do it. Uh, shame on you, Charles Amenahue. Yep. So uh, I want to leave that there. And of course, it'll be a story this entire week, unfortunately. And should the Niners move on to the Super Bowl, I'm sure we'll be in the news cycles, maybe even more than, say, a rookie quarterback and a Mr. Irrelevant last pick of the draft getting the Super Bowl. And, and that's kind of where I want to transition to um, no easy way to do it, Mark. But, you know, Brock Purdy has a chance to make the Super Bowl as a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting because. Like I, I don't think that he was necessarily the catalyst of the offense or the win against Dallas, but or maybe not, maybe not. I should say the win against Dallas. I thought the defense played its 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 best game, but you know, obviously, you need a quarterback to get you there, and he didn't make any mistakes like the other guy we'd mentioned earlier. So, uh, just quickly, you know, I, I kind of want to ask you, like, if he does make the Super Bowl, like, should he be in the same conversation heading into next season as guys? in his age range. And one of them is on the other sideline and Jalen hurts. Now I know he's not an MVP candidate, but the way he's been playing, 
I heard some people this week saying, well, if he played the entire 16-game, 17-game season, maybe he might be in the MVP MVP race just with how good he's played and statistically how he's fared. Uh, the other guys that would be in that conversation, not all of them, of course, would be, I guess, you know, below Brock Purdy. But, you know, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson. All of those quarterbacks are age 25 and under. Brock Purdy is age 23. Should he make the Super Bowl, Mark? Does he de- deserve to be in the same sentence? As oh, God, that is a really, really difficult question because you have to fight what, uh, I don't know, the eye test and then, and then what someone has accomplished. I mean, no rookie quarterback has ever won a conference title game and started the Super Bowl. And Brock Purdy is one win away from doing that. I know there's been reports that, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo could come back. Spoilers. If he's healthy enough to play, he will not. Brock Purdy, assuming Brock Purdy's health. Jimmy Brock- Garoppolo loses that game against the Dallas Cowboys. I believe. Hmm. Maybe. I mean, he won it last year, and he was pretty bad in the, in that playoff game. And now he did have that injured injured shoulder. But I know I'm getting away from your question. Uh, because you have to kind of separate what the guy accomplished. And as, as we just talked about, Brock Purdy is close to doing something that no rookie quarterback has ever done. And then you have to think about, well, Justin Herbert is what six, five and has a rocket for a right arm and and can place the ball anywhere on the field. And is just so physically imposing. And if you could dream up a quarterback, if, if you could build a quarterback in a lab, he would come out looking like Justin Herbert. He would come out looking nothing like Brock Purdy. Uh, but if this is a guy who has a good performance on the road against a really good defense in the Philadelphia Eagles, and he goes to the Super Bowl, Evan, and he's there on media day, and he's being asked all the questions. There's 70 reporters surrounding his little stand uh, asking him questions. I mean, how could you not include him in a group of young, up-and-coming, promising quarterbacks? There are certainly tiers in that list. Uh, you know, like Herbert, and I know Burrow's older, but same draft class as Herbert. Yeah, and technically Trevor he's 26, Lawrence. but yeah, you're right. Same years. Uh, but like Herbert and, and Trevor Lawrence and, and some of the others as well. I'm not sure Tua's in that top group. Um, but I don't know how you couldn't include him with that list. He's certainly not at the top of the list, Evan. But if he does something that no other rookie quarterback has ever done, I don't care what the circumstances are. I don't care if you're on a team full of, 15 Hall of Famers. Uh, You've done something that no one else has ever done. You deserve to be in that group. Yeah, I think he does. I think he deserves to be in the conversation because of what he potentially would accomplish. And even if he doesn't win, and even if he plays poorly, this will be his first loss as a starter in his (laughs) career, which is in the Uh, NFC title game. I, I, I know he's got a great team around him, but then again, Jalen Hurts hadn't been this MVP candidate until his third year, until Philadelphia had surrounded him with you know a variety of weapons offensively, until Nick Sirianni got there as head coach, and like situation matters for sure. But being able to maximize that situation, I believe, is important. And yes, I mean, I think anybody would tell you that building a Justin Herbert or building a Joe Burrow or uh, maybe even Lamar Jackson for those that prefer kind of a you know a dual threat quarterback would maybe be the more enticing option. But I mean, Joe Burrow is, is in a class unto his own, but if, if I'm having this conversation with somebody, they're going to say, okay, does Brock Purdy blow a 27 point lead? You know, cause that's what Justin Herbert did. And it was his first playoff game. It wasn't necessarily all his fault, but at the end of the day, that's, I mean, that's what he's going to be remembered for at the beginning of his postseason career. And what Brock Purdy is going to be remembered for at the beginning of his playoff career is throwing three touchdowns and running for one against Seattle and getting his team to the NFC title game. And I know wins aren't the end-all, be-all of stats, but I believe that Brock Purdy this summer will be in those conversations, not at the top of the list, but I'm sure there's going to be some people that would say, yeah, I'd rather have Brock Purdy than Kyler Murray. I'd rather have Brock Purdy maybe than, you know, Tua Tungavailoa. Like, those are the quarterbacks in his range. And the way I look at Brock Purdy right now is he is on kind of like an Eli Manning path. I know Eli Manning was the number one overall pick out of college, but Eli Manning in the regular season never wowed you. He would have some big games, 
you know, he, he, he had a big arm, but everyone just kind of wondered how this guy would have so much success in the playoffs. And the answer is because he had some great running backs, had a, a good enough offensive line, had a great front four that was able to stymie the likes of Tom Brady twice. And then he did enough offensively to win those games. And he played well in the playoffs. And right now, Brock Purdy has not shown that he is too small for the moment. Maybe it's this weekend. Maybe it, it comes against the best team left, in my opinion, in the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think he deserves to be in that conversation just because of what he's been able to compile so far. And uh, he might fall off a cliff. I, I, I don't know. But if you're asking me what's going to happen this summer, I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of talking heads that are going to be talking about Brock Purdy along with the rest of those 25 and unders. You're right. He deserves to be in that group and he deserves to be in the conversation. However, uh, something that you said, maybe he falls off a cliff. I will say his inclusion in that group is probably more tenuous than anyone else because of the the sample size. You know, there's a there's a very real possibility, Evan, say the Niners, they lose. 27 to 13 against the Eagles. Purdy throws two interceptions and generally looks, I don't know, he, he struggles. He looks overwhelmed by the the atmosphere, the environment. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, that it will happen, anything. like that. I mean, he's a rookie. That, that could easily happen. And then say he struggles through the first five games next year. He doesn't he, – he can't recapture the magic that he's had to close this season. And the team's two and three. And Shanahan decides, you know what, we're going back to Trey Lance now. Like, that's not something that's so incredibly out of the realm of possibility with Brock Purdy. So if he is able to, to come out with a win in the NFC title game, hell yeah, he deserves to be in that conversation. He, he's done something that no one else has ever done. But his inclusion in that group – is extremely tenuous, but I'll put it this way. Uh, include him in the group, include him with, uh, you know, with Trevor Lawrence, with Justin Herbert, with Lamar Jackson. You could even throw Tua Tagovailoa in there. Brock Purdy is near the bottom or at the bottom in terms of my confidence level that these quarterbacks are going to put together like a Hall of Fame career. Like that's, I think some of this is also, ceiling and someone like a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Herbert has a higher ceiling because you can see the physical tools. And I know that's not always what makes quarterbacks great. I mean, a guy like Drew Brees, who similar in stature to Brock Purdy, and you know, he has probably a stronger arm, but it's not like he has a bullet or cannon of an arm, like a Justin Herbert. Eli Manning is a good example. Even Peyton Manning. I mean, he's, they're taller and they have stronger arms, but they don't pop off the page physically and athletically. Um, but I would probably say I, I, I'd be less confident in Brock Purdy than almost everyone else in that group uh, of their potential for superstardom in the future. I know that's not the argument that we're talking about here. Um, and all that said, he, he does deserve to be in that group if he's able to, to come out and perform well against the Eagles, Evan. But I think his inclusion in that group is a little more tenuous than, than almost anyone else. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and, and that's I think we've talked about it a little bit, but I mean, I, I still question the arm strength of Brock Purdy. I, I still question, you know, the the stature and look. Even though he is the same size as Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, I know it kind of gets lost. But at the beginning of their careers, those two guys were elite athletes, and Russell Wilson had a very good arm coming out of college. Yeah, he if you just go look at his his combine measurables, like he was at the top of his class, as was Drew Brees. Coming out of Purdue, I know this may sound weird, depending on who you know watched him in his late 30s. Drew Brees had a 40-plus inch vertical coming out of college. Like that guy <laughs> could dunk standing still at five foot ten or whatever, you know, six foot, whatever he's listed as. Um, so no, I don't think Brock Purdy is that kind of guy. And and all these guys we're talking about are also top picks for a reason. Like yeah. they have measurables that you can project. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like with well, the way that Brock Purdy is set up for success. Um, who knows? I mean, it, it might take a while for him to get exposed, so to speak, because of just how good of a team and a play caller he's with and a defense he has at his disposal and the weapons that he has. Uh, it, it'll all change, but I'll yeah, I, I think one way to put this, and then I know we'll move on and, and switch uh, switch gears here just a little bit. The the conversation, like say 
let's use Trevor Lawrence as the other example, Brock Purdy versus Trevor Lawrence. The success of those quarterbacks teams, the success of the Panther or pardon me of the, the Jaguars, Evan, for example, relies so much more on Trevor Lawrence's ability and performance than the Niners success does rely on Brock Purdy. Yeah. There's so much more on Trevor Lawrence's plate. I mean, a lot of that is just because of the teams and, and the way the rosters are constructed. But if the Jaguars have success, it will be undoubtedly because of Trevor Lawrence. If the Niners have success, Brock Purdy is certainly a part of that and a big part of it. Any quarterback is. But they are as good as they are because of everyone around Brock Purdy and how good that defense is. I think that's kind of where this conversation is as as well. Trevor Lawrence will get more credit for his successes because of the team he's on as opposed to Brock Purdy. He will not get as much credit because the team around him is so good. Yeah. Sounds like a familiar conversation we had about the uh, former quarterback for the 49ers for the last, I don't know, five or six years. Yeah. It'll be something we'll discuss for a while. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings. Feel free to download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Mark. I have only seen five stars so far. This is just on Apple. I'm an Apple guy. Hold it against me if you'd like. But you know, Spotify, Google, uh, I, wherever, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, pe- people seem to like the program. We appreciate all of you out there listening. Um you're the ones that we do it for. Yeah, so, so hop on the bat bandwagon. Come on, give us a five-star <laughs> rating. Give us a review. Come on, we'll shout you out on the pod. Come on. Yeah, we're front runners. Jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> uh, well, so we're, we're talking about the offense and, you know, the ifs and what's going to happen with Brock Purdy. But, but one thing that was discussed this week, Mark, during Kyle Shanahan's conference call early this week was the fact that, you know, there is somewhat of a preferred or non-preferred style of play for Kyle Shanahan's offense. And, and, and I'll, I'll just, I'll let you kind of set up the clip, but you know, I, I thought it was an interesting comment that we don't tend to hear from a lot of head coaches and, and generally offensive guys. So I, I'll, I, I defer to you here. Yeah. So this was on his Monday conference call. He does it every, every week after the game with reporters. And I'll just read the question here word for word to set it up better. Uh, the question was, I realize you guys had great success on the ground in the 2019 postseason, and so you didn't throw the ball much at all. Remember that game against the Vikings and the Packers. But in these two games, is this kind of more of your style or more of what you want the offense to be, a, a 50-50 split or a very close split between running and pass? And, and here is how Kyle Shanahan responded to that. We always try to do that just because we don't like anyone to tee off in any direction. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily the style of the game that I want. It's just we feel we got to adapt to the style that we think you need to play to win whatever that given game is or that given moment that week. And the better defensive lines you go against, the better defenses you go against, um, that style usually leads to slowing guys down and not allowing other teams to play at what they want to do. It also gives you a much higher percentage of winning the turnover battle too. So I think you need to be able to win games that way in the playoffs a lot. Um, but not always do you have to. I mean, we saw it a different way in week our first week for Seattle, and we'll work all week to see how we see it this week too. So it's interesting because Kyle Shanahan essentially is saying, yeah, we like to be 50-50, keep the defense guessing. We don't want them to ever feel like they know what's coming. But he also said we felt like the way to win this game against the Cowboys was to keep the ball on the ground and, you know, try to, to, to run it more because that was the way that this game was going. And then, you know, what he says there at the end, Evan, is, is quote, we'll work all week to see how we think it is this week, too, which means we'll work all week to, to see how we think we need to do to win this game. And it seems to me, Evan, they're going into the game ahead of time thinking, all right, this is probably going to be a defensive slugfest. We got to run the ball and run the ball well, and, and maybe we have to to favor the run a little bit more over the pass. 
which is interesting. I don't I don't know how you feel about it because because to me, I feel like Kyle Shanahan, with his power as play caller offensively, kind of holds the power to determine how the game goes. If you want to win the game on the ground, sure, you can go and do that, but you don't have to have this preconceived notion going into the game, and I'm probably simplifying things. I'm sure he knows what he's talking about, but it seems to me like you can go into the game and, hell, let's throw the ball five times to begin. I mean, it's what they did against the Seahawks early. I, it, it seems to me like he's he's making up a – not making up, but he's going into a game with a preconceived notion that this is how we have to win the game, when in reality you can win in any number of ways – it's up to you. You're the one calling the plays. Yeah, that's true. But but we also know how Kyle Shanahan is with his script in his first 24 plays, and, and those are kind of revealing. I don't think that he was able to get through those 24 plays as much as he'd <laughs> like against a team like Dallas, which is why I also think that in the second half, and even against Seattle, I do think we have seen Kyle Shanahan sort of reset at halftime, and in many ways – how he plays the beginning of the second half to me is how he wants to win on offense throughout the entirety of the football game. Brock Purdy was good enough on third down in the second half to extend drives and, you know, a 13 play eight minute drive at the beginning of the fourth quarter was very impressive. And I think that's Kyle Shanahan saying, look, in this game today, I want to have time of possession. I want to put the ball to the ground against Dallas's front four, and I want to make them have to think about the run more than Brock Purdy beating us with the pass. And it didn't work in the first half. I mean, they had like 25, 30 yards on the ground. But in the second half, the fact that Kyle Shanahan was so impressed with his offense being able to stick with the run after the game 32 times, I believe, even though it was only like three and a half yards of carry, to me meant that that's how he wanted to win that football game. When I hear that, the first thing that comes to mind is, we kind of talked about this, but it, it, it always seemed like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick had this preconceived notion of how they were going to win games, whether it be running it 40 times, throwing it 40 times. The Patriots in their heyday were very good at establishing whatever offensive game plan they wanted. And a lot of that was because they had always a great defense, but then they also had the GOAT on offense. But he didn't always win it with his arm. And so I think Kyle Shanahan is trying to maybe not come up with, you know, like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to stick to it. But I do think he believes that his process on both sides of the ball is good enough to beat who is ever on the other side because of his roster. Now, that might change this week because Philadelphia, in my opinion, has a slightly better roster than San Francisco. And so I think Kyle Shanahan is going to have to get creative. But I don't necessarily have an issue with him kind of picking the style of which he would like to win a football game before it starts. Yeah, I think in the case of the Cowboys game, it was more so his confidence in his defense's ability to not let Dallas do much offensively. And he was certainly right about that. And if your defense is going to allow, I don't know, 17 points max, like that's that's still a, a pretty big number you would think for this defense against, and obviously the way the game played out, we know. I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. We both thought that this game was going to be one in the 20s, if not higher. Um, but Kyle Shanahan certainly knows more than, than we do about this. Part of it is his confidence in his defense, and they're thinking, all right, there's no way that the Cowboys score two touchdowns in this game. They'll get some field goals. Maybe Brett Maher misses one, whatever. If they're not going to score much, what's the best way for us to handle ourselves offensively? The best way is to stay pretty conservative, kill clock, use some runs, some, some you know creative passes to get down and, and score some points, but not take too many unnecessary risks. And it's something we talked about a couple of months ago, Evan, when when Kyle Shanahan had, had this one particularly extremely interesting uh, press conference where he was asked about his how his methodologies for play calling have changed now that he's a head coach compared to when he was an offensive coordinator. And he said when he was a coordinator, it was just score, 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 put up as many points as he possibly can. does not matter what the defense is doing. I'm not even watching defensively. I am only focused on the offense and scoring more points. It's a big reason why Matt Ryan won the MVP that year that they choked the Super Bowl to the New England Patriots. But now as a head coach, he's watching the full game. He's watching how his defense plays. And if his defense has it going on any particular day, Evan, like they did against the Cowboys, 
he is taking that information and using it to inform how he calls offensive plays. If the defense is killing it, they're not giving up inches. They're not, they're not giving up anything on defense. Then guess what? Kyle Shanahan is going to pull back a little bit offensively, run the ball, stay a little bit more conservative. So that's certainly a part of it. And maybe they just had an educated guess going into the Cowboys game that it was, it was going to be that defensive battle. Um, but I guess my point is maybe be prepared for everything, which I, I'm sure they are, but but go into it maybe exploring things a little bit more. And then if it doesn't work, all right, fall back to your old faithful, which is to run the ball, get the hell out of the way and, and, and kill some clock and, and win a game in the teens. Now, you're right. I think it's going to have to be different for this Philadelphia game because the, the Eagles certainly will not put up only 12 points against this 49er defense. At least I don't think so. I do think there's a bit of wiggle room maybe early in games to explore things a bit more. I do see what Shanahan is saying and, and what your argument is, is as well. But I think there's a little bit of room where he can be a little bit more exploratory early in the game. Well, exhibit A would be the final drive of the first half for the 49ers. If you're looking yes. for a reason to feel hesitant or yeah, he was a up nine. puzzled. He was, he was up nine to six. He had a minute to go to get into field goal range. And the quote from him post game was, I felt comfortable with the score. I mean, if what that tells you is yeah. Dallas has not scored many more points. And I'm a little worried about putting Brock Purdy in harm's way. I mean, that's what, that's what it tells you whether or not that's a, a fair worry for Shanahan maybe is up for debate, but that's certainly what was going through his mind. Yeah. And, and look, he successfully threaded the needle, but it felt like, you know, Luke Skywalker trying to put two proton torpedoes <laughs> in the death star and then throwing the scanner off and saying, yeah, I'm just going to do it based on feel and it's going to all work out. And it's like, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> now it worked, but obviously the, the odds were a little slim. Um, we, we have, we have a little bit of time, Mark. We, we can, we can get into this because you brought up something that I thought was a little bit interesting, but kind of the, the dream playoff path for the mm. 49ers. I know we don't have a ton of time to dig into this, maybe as much as you would have liked, but um, for fans out there, like what would you dream of being the, the postseason path for the 49ers because right now it sounds like Mark, you feel like they're kind of on it. Yes. So let, let's say you're, you're a Niner fan and you listening, I'm sure you are. Um, rewind to say week 16, the Niners have already wrapped up the NFC West. You know that they're going to be at worst, the three seed, but the one or two seed is still possible. Meaning you, you don't quite know what the postseason route is going to look like. You don't really know who you're going to play yet. Obviously, the main goal is going to the Super Bowl, and that's, you know, objective number winning the Super Bowl. That's objective number one. You don't really care what else happens. But let's say, let's pretend for a minute that you could have your cake winning the Super Bowl and eat it too. You had your right. You had, you had, you, you could pick your opponents on every matchup leading up to the Super Bowl. Who would you pick if you're a Niner fan? You pick the Seahawks first. At least I would. You want to beat your division rival and embarrass them in the postseason. Check. They did that. Up next, your arch rival, the team that ha has beat you countless times in the postseason, that you have history with going back to the late 70s, into the 80s, and, of course, into the 90s. That's the Dallas Cowboys. You want to beat them. Check. You did that. What do you want next in the NFC Championship game? You want to beat the best team in the NFC who everyone nationwide has said is better than you all year long. Not checked yet, but that's what's up next. That That is the path for the 49ers. And then if you do that and you get to the Super Bowl and you win that game, who would you want to beat? You'd want to beat the Chiefs, the team that beat you in the 2020 Super Bowl. You want to get your revenge over Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I know I'm getting ahead of myself talking about the, the Super Bowl, Evan, but if you ask Niner fans what the dream path to a Super Bowl is, I think it's what is playing out for the 49ers right now. Beating the Seahawks, beating the Cowboys, a matchup with the best team in the NFC who everyone is saying is better than you, and then getting revenge for your most recent Super Bowl loss. That would be the dream. Yeah, I think this is where we differ. Because <laughs> when I dream, Mark, I'm laying comfortably on my pillow, and I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming of nice things. I'm dreaming of comfortable things. I'm dreaming of easy things. And so my dream postseason path would be yeah, it'd be the Seahawks because they were the worst team in the playoffs. They barely <laughs> snuck in. Then in the next round, it probably would have been the Minnesota Vikings based on what we've seen so far because I think the Niners would have absolutely killed the Vikings at home. 
And then with that, that would have sent either Dallas or Tampa Bay to Philly. I would have wanted either of those teams, probably Tampa Bay, to upset the Dallas Cowboys, which or sorry, to upset the Philadelphia Eagles. And then I would have wanted to beat Tom Brady in the conference championship, cakewalk to the Super Bowl. And then on the other side, I mean, based on the the fraud level coming out of the AFC, I guess I might have <laughs> wanted to play the Buffalo Bills, you know, maybe hope that Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars could have taken more advantage of a high ankle sprain from Patrick Mahomes and snuck by them, maybe got by Burrow. I want my dream postseason path is any path that ends in a Super Bowl for the 49ers, the quest for six. I would want that sixth Super Bowl, and I do not want it to be difficult because the Niners have dominated each team in the regular season. I would have wanted them to have dominated each postseason team in the playoffs. So we could have the discussion of, is this the greatest team ever? It would have been so much fun. I wouldn't have had to worry. I wouldn't have had to sweat. I wouldn't have had to go through all of the emotions that you have to on a daily and, and weekly basis because your team is being challenged to the max. Maybe I'm taking the easy road. Call me on it. I want whatever the path lays out that the 49ers win. And to me, that would be the easiest one. So I hear what you're saying. I guess I just differ. Uh, the, the the emotions and the struggle and the, the toil and the torture that you go through in those matchups, though, is what makes when you win it so valuable. Yeah, but again, we're assuming they're going to win it. Yes. Yes. Did they last year win it? No. Because they ran into a better team. Well, yeah. I don't I mean, want them to run into a better team, Mark. I want them to win. Yeah, but I mean, in this scenario, which of course is a totally stupid scenario, they have won the Super Bowl. It's just a matter of picking I think the it's path. Our best segment all year. <laughs> I mean, I, I I understand what you're saying, but just no. I'm just allow, allow I'm disagreeing me to disagree. Allow me the satisfaction of beating your our, our two biggest rivals, the team that won the one seed in the NFC, and the team that beat you in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. I feel like. That checks just about every box for the 49ers. The biggest one being, you're right, the biggest one being is just winning the Super Bowl. That's what matters. It doesn't matter how you get there. But if, if they could have their cake and eat it too, I, I think Niner fans would want that route. Yeah, you're probably right. I would have rather played the Los Angeles Rams in the wild card, the divisional round, the conference <laughs> title game, and the Super Bowl somehow in an alternative universe because the Niners absolutely destroyed them this year. So... I, don't know, I digress, but I see where you're coming from, Mark. And that will put a bow on this episode of the 415ers podcast. Please download, rate, and subscribe. We appreciate all of those of you tuning in on a weekly basis as we come close, hopefully not to the end, uh, but close to the end of our first season doing this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Mark, my man, thank you so much. I look forward to Friday when we can dig into the nitty-gritty, put our analyst hats on for Philadelphia as they get set to host your San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. Yes, I'm looking forward to it, Evan. Friday can't get here quick enough, and then Sunday after that should be a lot of fun. Sounds good. Well, we'll talk to you next time on Friday. Look out for the episode. This has been the 415ers Podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. 